This is C3 coming back at you with uh, another double recording. Period. Yes. Um, wow. Okay, so once we get to episode two, I'm always a little bit too drunk to remember my intro, but I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Jordan. Grab a cocktail and have a seat while we talk about some crime and our crippling depression. <laughs> What's giving you depression from 30 minutes ago, Jordan? Your case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I know what's giving you depression. It's the fact that you don't like the wine that I bought over. Yeah. Um, she just gave me wine. Well, I had a sip of her wine, and it's dry wine, and I only like sweet shit, period. So and I forget awful. all the time because I like a dry wine, so I get excited. I'm like, oh, maybe me and Colin could drink this. And then he's like, never. Don't bring it here. Period. But um, I actually thought of a, like a, a fun fact to give. I love a good Everybody, fun fact. depression. Well, oh, to like, whoa. To share my depression. What are you, a fucking DJ throwing in sad statistics before the drop? Keep that shit to yourself. So, but basically, um, I don't remember where I heard it, and I'm probably going to have to look it up to like re make sure it's true. But basically. So you're giving us potentially false information? <laughs> yes. This is not very whenever good. Whenever they. I've heard it somewhere, but whenever your coffee gets ground up and sent to wherever. Um, there's no way for them to ensure that there's zero bugs in it. So there's like always a certain percentage of bugs. Well, it's the same thing with like rice. There's like coffee. rice mites and shit too. You, well, that's why you wash your rice. It's, I didn't think that. I mean, they're, they're dead in the boiling They're dead in the boiling water. They are dead. It's just extra protein. That's yeah, why coffee so, has that 1% protein or whatever. Yeah, the one gram of protein. I, in but it. I just wanted everyone to know that you're drinking bug juice. It's okay. Red velvet used to be made with crushed up bugs too. So they'd be like that. I didn't know that. And yeah, mascara you the red. with your bat poop. Yeah. I don't wear mascara. I get eyelash extension. So I'm safe. I just have my, what is it? <laughs> it's not formaldehyde. Oh my God. This is basically like liquid cement glue on my eyelids. It's all good. It's serious glue. Like, this should, should not be. be used on my eyelashes, but we do it anyway, so. That's fine. Jordan and I are coming back at you with uh, another themed episode, and this one is going to be Stockholm Syndrome. She's the one that picked the topic. I'm going to go ahead and go first because she went first during the last episode. Yeah, that's right, Colin. You take it away. I have a feeling this one's going to be pretty short. Oh, yeah, it's for sure going to be short, and I'm sorry. Cause mine's for sure a lot. <laughs> okay, so there was there just was not a ton of information about mine online, even though it was pretty sensationalized. I'm also sensationalized. Samesies. But on October 6, 2002, 11-year-old Sean Hornbeck was riding his lime green bike and headed to a friend's house near Richwoods, Missouri, a small town just outside of St. Louis. Sean always took the same route, and his parents trusted him to ride alone. On this particular trip, he was lightly struck by a white truck. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Whoa. Um, I think it was like a little bump, just enough to knock him off his bike. Oh, thank God. The, this wasn't anything crazy. Absolutely. But it's oh, no. still not good. Oh, no. The driver, Michael Devlin, rushed to Sean and appeared to be concerned just for his safety, but then proceeded to kidnap him. What the fuck? I forgot where we were for a second. Yes, I was like, oh my him, God, thank God he's okay. Telling him that he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. After Sean's disappearance, they began spending every penny they had in order to find him, appearing on several shows, including the Montel Williams show, where the self-proclaimed medium Sylvia Brown told, told the couple falsely, mind you that their son was dead i don't fucking like this bitch sylvia brown um, can also choke on a dick <laughs> i saw on this week's episode of this person can choke on a dick sylvia brown number one on their roster <laughs> but 
so I read that she said that the kidnapper's name was Michael something, and that was the only thing she got right. And then, because I watched the clip of it, and she tried saying it was some tall Hispanic man with dreads and all kinds of stuff like that. Like, bitch, if you're racist, just say that, first of all. Second, pick a new fucking hobby other than lying to people and families and getting their hopes up, or I guess in this case, hopes down and telling them that their <laughs> son is dead. I just it, the whole thing pissed me off. Uh, I want to put your hopes down, bitch. She can eat my ass, but period, she can. But I just thought hopes down was very funny. That was a good one. I like that. This I'm putting hopes... that on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> this news did not stop them from looking, as well as they started the Sean Hornbeck Foundation to help other families find their missing That's children. That's really sweet. Yes, I love when people do that. Yes, um, Sean was in fact alive. He had been taken to an apartment in nearby Kirkwood, and then I read several different things and every time i read two conflicting stories i include them both and let everybody know but one where michael was originally planning on sexually assaulting and then murdering sean but sean was able to talk and convince michael that he would not tell anyone or try to escape and the other was that he simply told sean he would kill him and his family if he told anyone or tried to escape yeah regardless of the fact that was his plan he, if did, he, escaped. he did tell him I will kill you and your family if you try to escape or tell anybody. Yeah. One of those stories came from, I'm going to look up at the end what podcast it came from. So that way I can give them credit for the information that I get from them. So for Sean's entire first month there, he was kept restrained. During his time there on several occasions, Michael almost killed him by strangling him. And there was repetitive sexual assault. Oh my God. I guess I should have said at the top of the episode that there was, like, from this point forward, trigger warning, there's sexual assault, and I'm so sorry, but, like, I kind of already did it, and I fully meant <laughs> I, to warn you. I already sent it, so no tixie-baxies. Anyways, during his time there, on several occasions, Michael almost killed him by strangling him, and there was repetitive sexual assault, and then this part pissed me off really bad. Harry, I don't know if it's Reichard, I'm going to say Reichard. Devlin's upstairs neighbor says that over the course of the year and a half that he lived above them, he heard all manner of disconcerting sounds, including whimpering, pleading, and screaming. On one occasion, it was like Sean was trying to get Devlin to stop doing something. You mean to fucking tell me? He really said, I'm a mind my own business. But like, how fucking hard is it to just call the cops? I don't care if it starts beef with your neighbor. If it saves a child, isn't it worth it? I just... I can't. It's the pleading for me that like, you know, he doesn't have anybody in that apartment with him. And then you hear someone pleading with him. Yes. But he really did say I'm on my business. So, well, I'll just read it. But while being held captive, the story they told people was that he was Michael's son and was being homeschooled. So he was at some point allowed out of it. And he even made friends within the apartment complex. But it still pisses me off because if you hear a child screaming and pleading and whimpering and you can even yourself say that it was like they were trying to get the adult to stop doing something why the fuck wouldn't you just make a quick police report yeah i don't know people are fucking assholes though i can't tell you that anyways while being held captive they told the story that he was michael's son and being homeschooled sean spent his days sleeping and playing video games he did make friends in the apartment complex have access to internet and was able to ride a bike outside. He actually had four separate interactions with the police, each time giving them the name Sean Devlin. I can't remember the means in which these police interactions happened, 
again, I'm going to give the name of the podcast that I got some of my information from, and I know for a fact she went over at least one of those things. Either way, though, they didn't recognize him for some reason, and it pisses me off a little bit because this was such a widespread case at the time. So the I fact- mean, I wonder what he he looked like, though. Yeah. Like, I know your face I mean, hasn't changed, but he's also, like, a young kid, you know, growing. Mm-hmm. And it's over the course of a year. And, like, I know looking at photos of me in the same year when I was younger, I'm like, I don't even, I mean, I look the same. But I'm like, wow, I can see, like, a difference in me. So Yeah, it just I feels like in it. some ways. There was definitely negligence. There wasn't enough. Someone, I feel like, should have noticed at some point. Yeah. But either way, a big question surrounding all of this is why wouldn't he take any of those chances to escape or tell the police what was happening and it was all due to the repeated abuse and the threats from Devlin yeah he had manipulated and brainwashed him and he did have guns in the house as well and he yeah. knew that so he truly believed. he obviously was well, not scared regardless had Sean tried to escape and not succeeded he would have been killed so I just know he didn't want to risk it so there was a website set up by Sean's parents that at one point Sean had left a comment stating how long are you planning on looking for your son and he signed it Sean Devlin so he essentially gave them his kidnapper's last name but his dad had seen that comment specifically thought it was an asshole. and just thought it was a fake comment yeah and the podcaster that I'm going to mention again she I think she had a slightly different story about that specific comment yeah. I don't know which one was true and I just included this one and I can't remember what the other one was but after four years at 15 years old Sean became too old for Devlin so the kidnapper went looking for a new victim on January oh my 8th God, I 2007 Devlin abducted Ben Ownby at a bus stop in Beaufort Missouri this time however there was a witness Mitchell Hutz heard Ben's cries and he was actually one of Ben's friends and reported the truck to the police. True crime investigator Michelle McNamara. I don't know who she is. I've never heard of her before. I've definitely heard her name and I know her from somewhere, but I cannot think. Apparently she was pretty big at this time, but she began investigating the boy's abduction. McNamara also led the investigation into the Golden State Killer found many connections between the boys. She actually linked the two before the authorities even did. The FBI oh. received a tip that a truck matching. Go ahead. She wrote. She wrote the book. What book? She died for the Golden State Killer. She she wrote a book about him, and she she was so she like knew who he was before they knew who he was, basically. And um, she died before it was released, but yeah. she was like, "He is here. He is right there. Like this is him." Like, she knew exactly the person? Basically, yeah. Let me look it up just to double check. So, okay. th- keep going. We might need to cut this out if I'm wrong, obviously, because, like, okay. I don't want to sound stupid. Well, but that's fine. But keep living your life. the FBI received a tip that a truck matching the description of the kidnappers was parked at a pizza restaurant in Kirkwood. The truck belonged to Michael Devlin, who eventually agreed to a search by agents Lynn Willett and Tina Richer. Michael broke down and confessed, stating that he was a very bad person. Absolutely. I'm glad you can judge your own character, you piece of shit. The FBI raided his apartment, and upon arrival, Sean and Ben were both inside playing video games. Michael pleaded guilty to all charges against him and was sentenced to 74 years behind bars, along with an additional 2,020 years, and won't be eligible for parole until he's 100 years old. As he should. In 2011, he was attacked by another inmate and stabbed with an ice pick period uh-huh. um sean hornbeck grew up to get married and is now a father 
The foundation created in his name to help find other children was closed in 2013 due to the lack of funds, but they now support the Missouri Valley Search and Rescue Team. Unfortunately, Michelle McNamara passed away at the age of 46 just before the case of the Golden State Killer was closed. Yeah, so she didn't exactly have, like, his name, but she basically had, like, his ID. Like, she had it down packed. Like, obviously, she didn't know it was D'Angelo, but she knew. Mm-hmm. She had, like, I wonder if she has. Thing and... So did she have a podcast or anything? No, or she just that, had like, a book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Okay, because I, I guess she was like a true crime researcher. In yeah, general. she was, but she had she actually passed away before her book was fully done. But it was all be gone in the dark, and her husband was going to release it around the time that the news came out. Oh her shit! Her book was about to be published and stuff. Yeah. Well, I hope she's doing peaceful, good wherever she's at. Wherever she's at, I <laughs> hope her husband is also doing okay, and then as yes. well as Sean and. For sure. Why can't I? Where's the other one's name? Ben, Sean, and Ben. I hope they are both doing okay. Yes, me too. And have grown up. I hope they like work to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of therapy. Fucking imagine, especially for Sean, because four years. Yeah, that's a lot. That's why. It's a lot. And I hope um, Michael Devlin's doing horrible in prison. Same. I hope he also chokes on a dick. You know. And dies. Anyways, I'm gonna hand it over to Jordan. All right. So my favorite thing is to paint a scene. So. Let's just say it was a Tuesday, because I didn't look that far back in the time. It's a Tuesday morning. You wake up. You have the day off of work. You're like, hell yeah, let me get some errands done. But you need to stop at the bank, right? So you go to the Credit Bacon Bank in Normstrong Square in Stockholm, Sweden, on August 23rd, 1973, which we're calling a Tuesday. Okay, it's a strong Tuesday vibe. You're about to leave the bank when Jan Eric Olsen, who is on quote-unquote leave... Um, AKA he ran away on a furlough from prison, um, walks in and begins to rob the fucking bank. Here is the story of how Stockholm syndrome became the coin term. And did he receive a text from God telling him he needed to rob the bank? No, but this shit's fucking crazy. Okay. I'm ready. I've actually never heard this. It's insane. So fucking buckle in because it's it gets serious in here and i left out a lot of details too because i was like this is gonna be long as hell if i give you every fucking prom so i stated um august 23rd 1973 the bank began being robbed and the robert olson was a career criminal he had been convicted in february 1972 for grand larceny the crime that led to his charges was a robbery surprise surprise he actually had startled this old couple he was in the house they came in like came home and the husband had fallen over and the wife begged with Olson to please grab the heart medicine um, that her husband kept in the kitchen and he brought it over and then he just kept robbing them. So he saved this man's life but kept robbing and took their shit and left. You know? So good Get on him. Get your bag but don't kill anybody. So yeah, he left with a good amount of loot as they would say, the, the trendy kids because of the doubloons and stuff. We, we, say, we say loot? I don't know. I don't like doublooms and loot. I don't even know what you're saying. What is that? <gasps> you weren't word? on Debloom TikTok? Stop it. I, I was apparently on type one diabetes TikTok and no one else is, so I'm just gonna stay in my lane. I'm never making your what reference. What the fuck is Debloom TikTok? <laughs> I don't know. It was some kind of currency. It was like here, traveler, here's three hundred doublooms for you and you would add it to some coin bank. I never did it, but I had a lot of them on my page. I'm anyway, looking it okay. Up. I'm just gonna keep going. Um in his prison, he soon became friends with Clark Olfeson. He was fascinated with his career past because he was a bank robber. So Olson carried out a failed rescue attempt of Clark Olfeson after escaping on January 7th, 1973, which was an attempt to blow up a wall with dynamite that he had smuggled in. 
Olsen sat in the car outside. During the attempt, however, Olofsson, dang, I'm a little bit tipsy off that wine. Whenever you're ready, I have what the balloons. Hit it. The balloons are. So it says doubloons are an online trend referring to a fabricated monetary and banking system thriving on TikTok. Yes, but, I, that's what I was telling so, you. So, but now that we're talking about it, TikTok's gonna connect to my Wi-Fi and <laughs> see my eyes dilating, and then it's gonna put me on the balloon TikTok. It sure will. It sure damn Better will. The harass gonna, somebody about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna harass you afterwards. I'm be like, give me some fucking doubloons. Proceed. Anywho, obviously he failed to detonate the dynamite, which caused the rescue attempt to fail. Um, so his next, next best idea was to rob a fucking bank and demand that his friend be bought to him as his ransom. If you don't do this shit for me, if I'm in jail and I get out and you don't, we're done. Never speaking to you again. I have, like... Okay, I'm taking notes right now. Okay, keep keep it going, because this, this is serious shit. I'm going to learn what to and to not do. Yep. So he walked into the bank with one hand with a loaded submachine gun under a jacket. The other hand had a large canvas suitcase and the contents being ammunition, plastic explosive, bottle caps, safety fuses, lengths of ropes, a knife, wool socks, and sunglasses, as well as two walkie-talkies and a radio transmitter. He was wearing gloves and there was another pair in the bag. He also wanted to give them to Clark when he got out of jail. Um, And he was thoroughly disguised as he wore a a pair of toy store glasses with a thick brown wig. This man really hit up like party suppliers and was like, let's go. <laughs> so I want you to know, I don't know what percentage of alcohol. Are you feeling it? Because this wine's kind of kicking my ass. So, like, so. It just hit me like a freight train. Anyways, continue. Yeah, no, it's okay. This wine's kind of kicking my ass too, so it's okay. And I didn't even have a lot. You saw I my haven't glass. been this drunk on an episode since the, the first, first one. The first one? Good yeah. times. This is going to be a rough one, one for got, me. It's funny too because the first one was some form of pina colada something, and then this time it's also. <laughs> pina, pina coladas pina are just not for you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. So he had the party city, party supplier shit on. Um, he also had a reddish brown mustache, and his eyebrows, well, his mustache and his eyebrows were dyed black. So he had a reddish brown mustache that it dyed black. I got my eyebrows tinted once and I feel like I should do it again. But like not as dark as I did because I came home my eyeballs. Not my eyeballs. My eyebrows were literally <laughs> on fucking bold. And AC didn't even know how to look at me. It was just it was just not a good time for anybody involved. It's okay. I looked back at photos of me still dyeing my eyebrows before I started going back blonde. And I was like, why was I doing this? It did not match at I all. I got stressed out. It's just too much. Someone I used to be friends with, when she dyed her hair red, she also dyed her eyebrows red. And I was like, don't ever fucking do that again. I hate it when people dye their eyebrows a color. Because I don't know if it's just me, but every single time I've ever dyed my hair, I just leave my eyebrows my natural color. Well, I was like, I had no eyebrow. I looked like I was sick if I didn't dye my eyebrows with how dark I kept my hair. Even then, even then. I don't know. Damn, good to know you just hated my my look the whole time. Anywho, I'm going to dive back in. He hoped to keep himself unknown and being mistaken for a foreigner. Um, So he spoke English with an American accent, which most Swedish people in school learn how to speak English. So easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Um, As he began the crime after shooting rounds into the ceiling, he said, the party has just begun, which was a line from a movie he had just seen. So during the commotion, um, one of the bank employees actually set off one of like the silent alarms, which all banks have you have alarms where if you're safe and you can alert you're going to alert the authorities they did that and he got pissed off when he caught him and he shot him in the fucking hand 
So he's already fucking bitches up. I tried to find the pictures of me with my eyebrows on bold, but I couldn't. I know. I was looking over. I thought you had it. No. Uh, I'll try to find them, and then I'll send you a picture of it. Swedish police were soon on the scene, and one officer, Ignemar, suffered injuries to his hand after Olsen opened fire. And after this, he began to take hostages. The first three being, I'm going to totally ruin these names, and I even listened to them on Google, and I could so not get it then. two hands being shot now? Just one. You said he injured Just one hand. hand. Just one hand. I, I one heard... man's hand was shot. Okay. And then, but didn't you just say that his, that police officer's hand got injured? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the policeman and the other dude. I thought you meant of the policeman. I was like, no, just one of his hands were injured. No. So, yeah. So he already shot two bitches' hands. He ain't scared to fucking fight. He's not scared to <laughs> but shoot. He's only going to shoot you in the hand. He's not scared to shoot. Okay. There's a lot of shit that happens. This ordeal, spoiler, is six fucking days long. This man is not scared. Not six days. Not scared I'm so at all. I'm stressed out for everybody involved. Yes. Well, you'll understand. Anyway, uh, the first three of his Sasha's were, I'm going to say Brigitta Lundbad, um, Elizabeth Oldgren, Oldgren, and Kristen Enemark, um, and later on, Sven was also added in. He's a later one. They find him hiding in the vault, and they get him. Yes, he should be. Yeah, obviously, as you should. It's fucking terrifying. But they were able to make calls with their family and let them know what was happening. And they were like, don't worry. Like, it's okay. Like, we're going to get out of this. We have the police here. Everything's good. Because, so, where they're at, this is like a multi-story bank. So, they're on the main floor. This is where all this is happening is main floor. So, there's a stairway where the police can get through the top. So, they basically communicate through a stairwell Mm -hmm. with the cops at the top. And they're down there. So, they can see them in the main floor. So, they could shoot at them at any time. So, they're like, okay, confident. Like, we're going to be good. Everything's fine. Like, we'll be okay. Anyway, so for two days, he then remained in the bank with the police trying to figure out his identity because they didn't know who, know who the fuck he was. They were just like, this is some random ass man robbing this bank. Um, his demands were 3 million Swedish krona, um, around 700,000 at the time, as well as other currencies, a bulletproof vest, a fast car for his escape. And he also wanted his friend to be released and bought to him, which I already stated in the beginning. So the police delivered for Clark. Can you imagine committing a crime to get someone else out of jail? Yeah. I also read that sentence wrong. The police delivered Clark the ransom and a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. However, the authorities refused for them to leave with the hostages in tow. Like, they were like, you can leave. You cannot take these hostages with you, which is fuel to the fucking fire. That's on period. Okay, so we're on, we're on day two. They get all the shit together. I'm like, but you got to leave them behind. And they're like, not happening. Um, at this point, though, they were on first name terms with their fucking hostages. Like Clark and Jim are like, we're friends. It's just crazy. They're I all sitting down there playing Never Have I Ever. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, they're just sitting there together. For six um, days, bro. I, I'm going to kill you. Like, if I'm the hostage, I'm going to kill you because I've wait. gone six days Colin, without getting a shower. Colin, I'm going to recommend an article at the end of this that I want everyone to read because it's going to tell the story better than me. Like... They are a fucking journalist for the New Yorker for a reason. That shit was like chef's kiss beautiful. Okay, continue. Anywho, they were on a first name terms with them. 23-year-old Kristen Enemark was actually given a bullet from one of the guns as a keepsake from fucking Jan. He like was like, here's a bullet, babe. Uh, take it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Enjoy this moment with us. She later described Clark as a mix between she Guerva and jesus which is a really weird combo but like go off i have no idea what that me either so all i know is jesus and yeah but anyway 
as I had already said, they were on the ground floor. So they decided to make the headquarters in the deposit box room for safety deposit box because um, it was on the ground floor. Obviously, it was close to the bathrooms. It had no windows, and it was near the staircase where they were speaking to the police. They're so, like, we're covered. They're not sneaking in on us. We can see them, and we still have access to everything. We're mm-hmm. close by. And the police obviously were in the bank the whole time. They were on the higher floor. And at one point, Kristen and Regina went to the bathroom and they were talking to the police and made no run for it. And they actually felt like they were betraying their captors. So we're still on day two. So at this point, they've built such a bond with them that them telling the police, like, there's actually three of us in there and da 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 da, all this stuff, they feel like they're like betraying their captors by talking to the police. Oh. So it's already begun, like the psychological shit, because they're so at this point, they're treating them nice. Obviously, they're giving bullets like Kristen and I believe it's Clark. I think it was weird. They're getting a little like flirty. Like it's a weird dichotomy going on in the safety. It's weird that this is like the case that coins the term Stockholm syndrome. You'll understand too. Well, it's just because like the nature of them being held captive, like there's still police there. And everything like that. So it's like, you know your help is on the other side of that, but you're still getting caught up in it. Whereas, like, with most Stockholm Syndrome cases, like it's the one the, I just covered. It's the, but Stockholm Syndrome is the idea of a relationship with your captor. Oh, okay. That's what Stockholm Syndrome is. So it's actually, because it's in Swedish, the translation to English English isn't very clear. Because obviously translating language, there's a lot of miscommunication in it. It is the thought of, I have a relationship with you. I don't fucking know you. You kidnapped me, but we become kind of like friends. Even though you're still threatening to kill me and would fucking kill me in a heartbeat, we're friends though. I'm not going to rat on you because I've spent time with you. I care about you. I have this bond with you. But I don't give a fuck about those police. But I mean, they're brainwashed in a way into thinking it. Like, it. this is why it's called what it is, but it was a, it's kind of been like misused because of the translation issue. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, during the night, Elizabeth would sit in a chair facing the doorway where she would tempt the police to storm because she's right fucking there, right? It's like their mouth is water and she's in the doorway. They're like, we can get to her. But then, right before her, um, there was another obstacle, which was a bottle that would be balanced on a chair that if that was knocked over, they knew that they were coming closer to them. Mm -hmm. So, it was like in the way. But at the same time, Elizabeth actually had fucking explosives between her fucking feet. That would yeah, go off. Should. So, like I said, this isn't a very, like, they're friends. They're getting friendly, but it's not a very, like, comfortable environment still. So like, there's still bad shit they're happening. They're friendly and everything like that. Like, they're, they're like, homies. Like, fuck around and find out. Yes. Like, that's what I mean. Like, they're still, like, we will fucking kill you, but, oh, you need to go to the bathroom? Absolutely. Please go. Are you okay? Are you tired? Do you have a headache? Like, what can we do for you? But I'll still fucking kill you if you try to betray <laughs> me. Like, this is how they are treating them. And it's very much so, like, it's like an abusive relationship. It's so wishy-washy. Like toxic yes, that is, this is this case. Flat out. It's fucking insane. And we're only on going on day three at this point, because this is the nighttime when they developed the system. And behind Elizabeth was Olsen. Um, and even when threatened with physical harm, they still saw the compassion in their abductors, which is what I was just talking about. Olsen actually threatened to shoot Sven in the leg to shake up the police, and the hostages recounted to the New Yorker um, how kind I thought he was for saying it would just be my leg that he would shoot. Kristen even tried to convince Sven to take the bullet if necessary, saying it's just in the leg. It's not like he's shooting you in the chest. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. During this time, the police even thought of bringing in Jan's friend, Kai, and Hassan and Hanansen's brother, 
to get them to let up. Um, Olsen ultimately shot and they ran back up the stairs because he was like, fuck around and find out. I'm not leaving until I leave with my hostages to ensure my escape. Like, they are dead set on their plan. They don't give a fuck. Um, and also, so, by like, the way, what, this is being... Were they planning on taking the hostages and then leaving They them knew they were going to basically get shot out if they left without the hostages, so they were not going to leave without them. They knew they were not going to actually be able to leave like they wanted to, because once they left, the police would get them. Do they explain at this point why they wouldn't just let them leave with the hostages and then... Because they're going to arrest them. Like, they know why. And they're not going to take that as an answer. Okay. They want to go. Because remember, Jan fucking is quote-unquote on leave because he escaped on his furlough. He's supposed to be back in prison himself. Mm-hmm. And now his friend's included in this because he wanted him out to hang out with him. Because they were trying to escape together. But, like, the police... If they were smart, they would have just, I don't know, because I'm not a police officer or a detective, and obviously I don't get to tell them that they're not smart. But so at the could, time when they, they first start, there was escape. a lot more people in there uh-huh. when it first began. They they kept these select few. Okay. So they're trying to negotiate with them to get these people free, out safe, and you come with us. So we'll give you whatever you want. But I feel like this could have been ended so much sooner had they just been like, all right take the hostages because clearly this is they're also nice enough like, to not kill the hostages if they they're comply. not nice they are not nice people okay they sure. they are not nice men they do not do good things in their life okay so <laughs> so they're just fake nice to the hostages i mean like they're rocking with it they have like common courtesy but they are not like good people or nice people well yeah i know that I so i don't i guess i'm confused on how you're confused so basically i'm saying the police should have Again, I'm probably making the wrong choice, but I feel like the police should have said, should have just let them go with the hostages. Because if they're not already now inherently being violent towards the hostages, should have let them go with the hostages. Because then if that's all they wanted to ensure their escape, they could have then released the hostages after they escaped. And then they can find them. So their fear is they're going to kill them anyway. Okay. Like they think they're going to kill the hostages anyway. Regardless, they're going to like take them out there and beep, 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 and go. Okay. Like they ain't fucking, like they know they're not fucking around. Like these are for real guys. Like he's willing to shoot this fucker in the leg and he's like, don't worry, dude. I'm just going to shoot you in the leg. I just want him to get put some pressure on him. So I'm just going to shoot you in the leg. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like he's not scared to shoot these people or have this lady's legs like be blown out. Like he's so not he scared. So he told this hostage, I'm going to shoot you in the leg. Yeah. He was telling Sven, like, I'm going to try and shoot you. And then it ended up not pl- working out as planned. Like it didn't do anything for the police. Like it just pissed him off. Okay. Him having that conversation with him. So he was going to shoot Sven in the leg to rile up the police to have him escape. I'm now fully understanding. Okay. So after this, um, they actually spoke to the Swedish prime minister during um, their captivity. And specifically, Kristen um, asked to leave with the robbers in the car, saying, I fully trust Clark and the robber. I'm not desperate. They haven't done anything to us. And on the contrary, they've been very nice. But, you know, Olaf, what I am scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. They spoke to the prime minister for almost an hour, um, and when interviewed later, obviously after all this went down, Sven told the media he treated us well. Um, we could think of him as an emergency god, and they actually had to begin. This is when it begins that they start to distrust the police more than the bank robbers, and the police commissioner, when he was allowed back inside the bank to ensure that they were safe, um, he was met with resentment of the four bank employees instead of relief. So he was pissed. They were pissed. He was in there. They were like, get the fuck out. Like you're fucking with our feng shui. Mm -hmm. Despite being threatened with harm, the hostages still sided with their captor. And Sven even later applauded Jan by only wanting him to shoot him in the leg. And thankfully no one was actually harmed in the six day ordeal. So 
some for real shit. Throughout the ordeal, the hostages spoke to many media outlets on the phone um, to let them know that they were okay and safe and that the police needed to back the fuck up, basically. They're like, get away from us. Clark also called multiple news stations to ensure that their side of the story was being told correctly. And on the third day, the soda bottle fell from the chair and they woke up. Obviously, the hostages began to scream and their captors began yelling. And the police were directly overhead of the safety deposit boxes and were going to start fucking with the air vents. So they turned off the air ventilation, basically. So Was this to make it harder to breathe? They're going to try and put, like, tear gas in there. Okay. Trying to lure them out. So Clark and Jan freak out, and they knock over, like, the safety deposit boxes on it, and they end up actually covering the light switches. So they block themselves in this. They cover the light switches. So now they're going to start fucking torturing themselves with sleep deprivation because the light's going to be on all the time. Like, there's no air ventilation anymore. Like, they are just in this room well, together. Well, the dentist I couldn't just sleep in the daytime. But, I mean, they're like the fluorescent light, like tube lighting. Yeah. Like Walmart lighting in your house at all times. No, thank you. Yeah. That kind of sleep. It's not like natural daylight. It's gross. So, yeah. So, they kind of like lock themselves in. Sven is quoted in the New Yorker article saying, seeing the door closed was one of the most frightening moments in my entire six days for me. Still sleepy, we were sure the police were going to storm the vault. Elizabeth was sitting right over the explosive charge. All of us were near it. Olsen's gun was in his lap. If the police came in shooting, he would have shot back. Um, There was anxiety too, Sven said. Lest the police resort to tear gas, Jan had a theory that more than 15 minutes of like fumes from tear gas did something to people's brains and made them idiots for the rest of their life so that he thought that it caused brain damage so he's like feeding this fear to them he's anxious because he doesn't okay, want so it to doesn't actually cause brain no. damage okay i don't believe i don't think so maybe in the times that they're in it might have but he was like convinced it would make him like stupid forever i'm gonna look it up real quick so at this time after they're locked in and secure, the police stopped making any negotiations with them. So that meant no more food, no more water. And they had begun to drill holes into the vault, trying to make better access to put in more fumes other okay. than through ventilation. Cause that was going to get them, you know, and they're, they're chilling on the outside. The fumes would have gone everywhere. Tear gas um, weapons are considered safe, but tear gas exposure causes severe complications, traumatic brain injuries as a direct effect of tear gas bombs are rarely reported in the literature. So I don't think it doesn't cause Yeah, damage. that's what I thought. That's why I was like, wait a minute. what? Are... You gave me a look and I was like, Colin, wait a minute. You just said it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, the drilling was constant and loud and they used water to cool down the drills, which began to fill the vault. So now they're like, they got water. So now they got wet socks, which would piss me the fuck off. Oh yeah, I, that would have me throwing hands. With so my they are trapped in the wet darkness for three more fucking days. Not the wet darkness. Yes. Oh my god, they're gonna get like fucking what is it that Marines here get their feet? They oh my god, I can't think of it. Boots and shit like that. That was really in the world in World War Two, I think it was. What is that called? My old roommate Joe got it once. I can't think about it. I, I know what it is. Trench foot. There you go. There we go. I was like, it's something where your feet are soggy and your skin slips off. Um, anywho, on the sixth day, after 130 hours of being held captive. Tear gas was administered in that fucking vault via the holes that they drilled, and Clark and Jan surrendered. There were medical professionals all around, um, outside immediately, and then outside as well to take care in case anything happened. They had medical professionals on site. Imagine spending six days being like, my dick is bigger than yours to the police just to have to surrender. I mean, they got them. Once they locked themselves in, they kind of fucked themselves. But it was also like they were charging at them, so they had no other choice. 
When the police told the hostages to leave the building, though, they refused, saying that their captors would be shot if they went out separately, and instead the six hugged in the doorway of the vault, shook hands and kissed, and walked out together, with Jan and Clark leading. As Kristen and Mark was put onto a stretcher to be taken to the hospital, she shouted, Clark, I will see you again. Because of their attachment to the robbers, police initially thought that if anyone was fucking involved in the heist, it had to be Kristen, because she was like, her and Clark had, she... She reports in the New Yorker article that she basically was thinking, like, maybe if I had this relationship with him, that he would let me go. But she was, like, letting him feel up on her, like, but he was very respectful when she said she did not want to have sex. Like, he just went over, like, in the corner and got himself off. Mm-hmm. Like, he never did anything sexual to her, but they, she definitely, like, started to develop feelings for him. Oh, other yeah. than just, oh, I'm if I make this, this relationship. Survival, yeah. Like became, and like, then it oh. became, like, oh, well, I kind of like him mm-hmm. at the same time. Cause she did say he was very cute, you know, all these things. Um, so they did have a sexual relationship. So they're like, well, not a sexual relationship. There could, there definitely could have been for show in front of all of them people in there. <laughs> but anyway, they were just fucking confused. Cause they were like, what the hell? We only see this with like people who have suffered in like war prisons. Like what the fuck's going on? But Clark, Jan, and the captains did not understand what the fuck was going on. They were like, I don't know why we all like each other so much. Like, we wouldn't be friends outside of this, so why do we like each other? The hostages spent 10 days in the hospital being evaluated by specialists trying to figure out why they acted that way. They initially um, thought that the behavior was associated with shell shock from the fucking trauma. And the hostages were grateful for their captors. Um, this was normal behavior, like I said, during war, and the behavior hadn't been seen in citizens before, and only a few months later, um, the term Stockholm Syndrome was coined by psychiatrist Nils Bidger. Bidger? I just butchered his last name. Um, but he did, they finally made a name for it since it's starting to happen in regular life. They're like, okay, we need to make a term so we can assess this in a clinical setting. Jan was charged with violent robbery, kidnapping, and attempted murder, and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, he, was, he was released in the 1980s and moved to Thailand, where he married um, the woman he actually became pen pals with in prison. And after 15 years, he returned to Sweden with his family and ran a car repair shop. He never went back to prison and publicly apologized for the hostage situation. And Clark returned to prison after he was taken from the bank and was charged with violent robbery. He defended himself in court and argued that he was forced to take part in the bank robbery and a hostage situation by the police. Which, to be fair, they totally fucking brought him there. I don't know what they thought he was going to do. Like, was he going to be like, whoa, guys, let's go back to jail? Like, yeah, he obviously he obviously was a bank robber, and he was not scared to be do criminal acts. So I don't think him... So I definitely... He for sure has a good defense there, and they definitely yeah. should not have charged him with anything I, They could have definitely given him, like, half the time. Yeah. Because they something. did force him to go, and then he kind of took it a little too far, but he definitely, he didn't, like, get out of jail and go meet him himself. Like, they let him out. I don't and know. Also, what was he supposed to go? Just sit what, there and be like, listen, someone, listen, Jan, this isn't a good idea. We yeah, need to go with home. With someone violent with a gun and then get shot himself. Yeah. Anywho, but the hostages made regular visits with their captors in prison and still spoke highly of them. Kristen even lied in court and said that she never saw Clark holding a gun during the six days. She didn't believe that he should um, have been punished for his forced involvement. Me too, Kristen. I will say with that, like, I kind of don't think he should have been punished for being forced to be in there. That doesn't make any sense to me. Even though it's still a wrong act, don't get me wrong. Like, being a part of it was wrong, but they bought him there. What what were they thinking he was going to be like... 
So no, I no, like no. Let's go should, home. We can PEMDAS that shit and like they cancel each other out. Yes. Clark spent many years in and out of incarceration for other crimes, including drug smuggling and theft. And in 1976, he married a woman and had a family with her. He appeared in the podcast Criminal in May of 2020 and Netflix class um, someone to play him in Clark. So apparently there's a show out about this as well. Anywho, the article I keep referring to is called The Bank Drama. And it is on The New Yorker. It's fucking amazing. Please read it. It does this so much better than me. More than I could ever. But that was like my main source other than True Crime Edition and a little bit of Wikipedia for some dates. But that article was the most well-written thing. It has so many details. And she actually interviewed... Well, not she, but whoever wrote the article actually interviewed everybody involved. So all the hostages were interviewed. The actual criminals were interviewed. Like oh, has, shit. that's why like a lot of those like statements were straight from the article where she spoke to them in person, and like talked to them. So pretty cool ass shit. Definitely go cool. read the article. It was a very good read, and I was like, damn, this is nice. I just think it's cool that like, well, I guess not cool, but because they translated the language that like Stockholm syndrome means something different in America than it does. I mean, it basically means the same thing. It's just misconstrued where like you think. Like how we cleared it up earlier that it's basically like, I'm still going to do bad things to you, but I care for you. Mm. But like, I don't care about you at the end of the day. Like until I get what I want, I don't care. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, um, cause I talked about a podcaster that I got a lot of my information from and some certain things. Her name is the, she goes by the serial napper on YouTube. I don't know what else she's on, but her name is Nikki Young and it's serial, like serial killer. And then Napper, N-A-P-P-E-R. So I love that. That's so fucking cute. Yeah, I like it. But other than that, if you would like to support the show, we have a Patreon that has three tiers. The first tier being a dollar. You can gain access to bonus content as well as the $5 a month, which is currently being workshopped. I like to believe within the next two to three episodes, we will officially have like something for $5 a month. At the moment, though, if you're even at if that, it's a video of me tap dancing, you'll fucking have something. <laughs> yes. And I'm not a tap dancer, we so it will not be good. Greatly appreciate it. And then for fifteen dollars a month, you get access to the bonus content as well as you get to pick an episode topic or both cases and a cocktail, whatever your little heart desires. The episode becomes yours. If you're currently listening to this and you do enjoy the show and you want to support it, but you don't have money to support it, the best thing you can do is to share a link on one of your social media pages, send it to somebody that you know likes true crime, Mm -hmm. because word of mouth is going to be the best way for us to grow, as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anything that you are listening to this on, and you have the ability to leave a review, leave a review, so that way we can gain more exposure. Please and thank you. Yes, and that's on murder. Period. (laughs) 